Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Today's guest is a very good longtime friend of mine, Vernie Howard. I haven't seen her in years, but honestly, we picked up right where we left off. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to my good friend, Vernie Howard. Vernie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. I'm so honored to be a part of this podcast and to share with you today. Awesome. I have missed you and Don and the kids so much. It's so good that we have this chance to connect. And I know we follow each other on Facebook, but I think we need some Zoom calling. I absolutely agree. I'm in. Awesome. Well, last time I saw you in person, you were in the banking business and no more. So why don't you tell us all a little bit about what you've been up to? Well, Susan, I should start by saying if you would have told me that I was going to be an executive director of a nonprofit in Shreveport, Louisiana, I would have laughed aloud. Um, This has been really my dream job. Um, After spending almost 20 years as a corporate banker, uh, working for banks across the country, some of the largest banks across the country, I moved back to Shreveport, Louisiana in 2013, uh, really to take on an endeavor that was bigger than me. And it was um, to cover all of, you know, municipal banking across Northwest Louisiana. And I encountered one little nonprofit in, in downtown Shreveport called the Providence House. And I sat on the board of Providence House for about a year when the executive director announced her retirement. And even then, I was on the search committee to find her replacement, never thinking that I was the replacement. And we hired a consultant to tell us, um, you know, who might be the best option out there for this nonprofit. We're 33 years old. And so it's a very stable, very visible, uh, pretty prominent a nonprofit in, in Northwest Louisiana. And the consultant looked at me and she said, you know, Vernie, really, you would be an excellent candidate. And again, I laughed aloud. I thought, you know, does she not understand that I've been a banker for 20 years? And <laughs> even though I've banked nonprofits and I've been on 15 boards across the country, um, I am not a, a nonprofit executive director. And I remember sharing with Don, I said, honey, funny thing happened in the office today. Someone asked me to consider um, applying for the executive director position at Providence House. And he said, what's funny about that? Well, that was not the answer I wanted. (laughs) So I called my sister in New Orleans and I said, hey, someone asked me to consider putting my name in in the hat for the position of executive director. And she responded, oh, my God, that is exactly what you were created to do. And um, again, neither of those answers were what I was looking for. And so, but I applied and I remember applying thinking, if I do this, I want to give it every single thing that I have. And at, you know, 45 years old, when I started in this role, you know, I, I wasn't sure how much I had left. And today, Susan, I will tell you, we have... I have an amazing team, and we have transformed a shelter that was prominently known for 
food, clothing, and shelter, and, you know, that's what we think about when we think of homeless shelters. We have transformed this agency into a premier educational entity that our focus is primarily on making sure that you can become self-sufficient through education. And so, you know, in that work, we have a four-star child development center. We are the only one in Northwest Louisiana. We have partnered with a local community college, and we actually have an additional instructional site on our campus uh, that's open not only to our residents, but to the community. And so we are doing some innovative things that have not been done in Louisiana, and quite frankly, some of these things have not been done across the country. And so I feel incredibly, incredibly um, honored to be in this role and to have said yes to my husband and sister who I thought were crazy at the time. So that's well, where this journey in my life has, has, has landed me. Well, had I been, put me in that category of crazy too, because had I been consulted, I would have said you would make a remarkable, remarkable director of a nonprofit and you have in your time. No, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I am nice, but it's not, you know, I would tell you open, honest and direct. That's my, um, that's my way. Um, I want you to connect with my husband, Mike, again, um, on a business level this time, because I think some of your best practices would be welcome in the city that he operates. I'm listening to you on how you're engaging these people in self-improvement and self-actualization and education. And I think all those things are uh, much needed in trying to help the homeless, which we have, as you well know, California has a huge homeless population. Um, so I think we could learn a lot from our friend down in North Louisiana. So I would love to have you have a conversation with him. I was going to well, I'm ask, available. You bet. And he misses you too. He, he's like, oh, that's so great that you're podcasting with her. I wish we could go to dinner. I'm like, yeah, well, um, <laughs> virtual. I know it'll have to be a virtual dinner, but yes. uh, you know, Don and I never miss a meal. So we would love to do dinner. <laughs> same here. Same here. We Tell Mike have, I'm paying. Oh, that's so sweet. We'll, 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 we'll do DoorDash and, um, you know, we can have a quarantini, um, <laughs> <laughs> a little quarantine time. So um, I was going to ask you, what is your proudest professional accomplishment? But the way you describe your current position, I'm guessing that would be it. But in case I'm wrong, what is your proudest professional accomplishment? I think my proudest professional accomplishment is really introducing um, education to our homeless population. And so many people forget that homeless families, children really are the core component of that, that family unit. And when we scathe over the importance of education, I think we miss a tremendous opportunity to help families um, to turn their lives around. We, we limit, you know, homeless families. Oh, and we stereotype and we say, oh, these are people who just don't want to work or these are just people who want to live on the welfare rolls, you know, and, and more often than not, that is, that, that's just not the case. And so to be able to say to a mother who makes minimum wage and who's gone through domestic violence to say that your life can be bigger your life can be bigger. It, it, it's all determined by your willingness to, to work hard, stay the course, accept help. Let us support you. Let us be your net. 
um, and, and when the light bulb goes off and people realize that you really are trying to help them create a better lives for themselves and their children, uh, we've done that. And, and that's my greatest accomplishment. Yes, I've received lots of awards and the agency has been featured and, you know, all of those good things. But you don't get into this type of work for the awards. I mean, they're, they're great. Um, so I don't mean to minimize what they mean. But you get into this type of work to really change a person's life. And education is life-changing, hands down, bar none. It is a difference between a child seeing themselves as always poor and always homeless uh, versus a child seeing themselves as the next teacher, mayor, governor, president. So it's a difference in being able to dream big and see bigger. And just being able to be one person to introduce that to hundreds of people is my greatest accomplishment. Bernie, let me tell you that you put it so beautifully. I was thinking, you know, she doesn't do anything for the money or the rewards or the awards. This personal connection that you make with each individual whose life you actually are changing in a meaningful way is your reward. And I know you, I know you personally. So this is beautiful. What, and you told the story of what you do in your proudest moment beautifully. That's, that's amazing. I, I can't even imagine someone else in your, um, in your seat. So you are perfect. Well, look, I could have imagined other people at the time. <laughs> you know, when, when you're a banker and, you know, my boss was in Florida. I was in Louisiana. I created my own schedule. Um, I worked really hard. And you have the capacity to make lots of money. And I think at some point in your life, you have to, it, it has to be bigger than the money and yep. the title and the prestige. It has to be, am I fulfilling my purpose. And so again, if we if you and I had this conversation, you know, five years ago, I would have wanted you to say, Bernie, run, no, keep making money. <laughs> but I am so glad that I yielded to to purpose. And I am just watching incredible things um, um, happen. And, you know, one, I think one of the most beautiful um, outcomes has been grooming a team. And you know, as you know, working in banking, you're working with uh, all men. When you transition to social services, you're working with majority women. And that was very new for me. Um, it, was a, it was a new concept. It was a new, it gave me new insight. Uh, when you're working with all men, it, you know, you can have an argument one day and it's, hey, who's going to lunch? Who's paying for lunch? And it's done. Um, women, and I love tapping into my, uh, the, the side of me that makes me uniquely a woman, but also the side of me that was able to help women see beyond feelings and to grow and to, to say, you know what, maybe that coworker really didn't say hello because she's going through a tough point. Perhaps it wasn't even about you. Can we, d did you say good morning to her? Helping one another to build up one another. And that it, it's taken me, I've been here a little bit over four, about four and a half years. And it's taken me four and a half years to build a team 
whereby we can come in, get the job done, not assume that because we are all women, we all have to be best friends, but it, that we do have to assume that we all have to be the best professionals, we have to be the best caregivers, and we have to do that in our own unique fashion. So that was a, it, was, it was both a challenge, and, it, and it's just beautiful to see us able to come to work, even in a pandemic, knowing all the circumstances around us, uh, but kind of leaving those things at the back door and saying, when we enter this space, women and men and children are depending on us to be the best of ourselves. And, and we can talk about all those other things that hinder us when we leave this space. But so many people count on us, Susan, and so many people count on this team. And um, when I'm tired, they'll look at me and say, hey, it's time for you to go home. And I do the same thing for them. So just building a team of strong women who can do this, whether I'm here or not, um, that is a great reward for me. I think you are such a good storyteller, too. The way that you're painting this picture so vividly in my mind, and it might be because I know you, but I think for those who don't even know you, they can imagine this best practice, which you just live. Um, I mean, you don't even have to structurally put it in place. You have always been one to listen with empathy and not judgment. So when you tell other people, let's try to do this, at least while we're here in this space, uh, focus on the reason we're here and our purpose, our higher purpose, and not get into those um, petty little miscommunications that can destroy businesses. Um, when you, when you, you know, a team is only as strong as its weakest link. So That's right. I think you are incredible. You live by example and you certainly tell the story of what others might call best practices, but that's just Vernie, frankly. Oh, let, me you're... Ask, <laughs> let me ask you something. Um, you have been an inspiration to me. We used to meet for lunch folks and I would leave a better person than when I showed up. Um, who has been your inspirational mentor? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I would have to select two people. And I would say my dad um, and my daughter. Oh, my nice. father is my father is um, my stepdad. But he really was my biggest champion, my biggest cheerleader. I would talk to my dad. Um, before I would talk to my mom, my dad always listened. He, even when I made the worst decisions, he would always say, what did you learn from that? And if you could do it all over again, given what you know now, if you, if you could do it all over, would you have done it differently? And he always helped me to see situations from such a different framework. Um, never yelled, never judged. And that always validated me as a person. It validated me as a woman. Um, and that's what I needed. And so he just always helped me to um, see things with a different set of lenses. And, and that opened my eyes to perspective. So he's never been um, described as my stepdad. He is my he is my daddy. He's my best friend. He's he's 85 years old. He is a Baptist preacher, preaches still every single Sunday, even when he feels poorly. No one on the outside knows that. He just does what needs to be done 
because he understands that there are people who need to be served uh, spiritually, and um, he never worries about how he's feeling. I know how he's feeling, but he never that that's never the lead. It is always what can I do for others, and I really. Um, he's been a part of my life since I was two years old, and I, I would say he was for sure my greatest inspiration. But I now have this 12-and-a-half-year-old daughter that we were just so blessed to adopt at birth. And when I tell you she is an amazing little person, um, we have the most intense conversations, and she is so much like me, but so much like her dad, and um, she gives me advice, and she gives me perspective that even at 50, I just didn't see things from, from that angle. Um, she's smart. She's sensitive, but she's very direct. Um, I'll ask her, well, you know, Hannah, what do you think about, you know, how does this dress look? And she, she'll always say, you know, how do you, how do you feel in it? Oh, it doesn't matter so how nice. it looks. She'll say, how do you, how do you feel in the dress, mommy? And that if I say, awesome. oh, I feel fantastic. She'll say, well, then I think the dress looks great. And so I'm like, you're 12. You know, where does this come from? You're 12. So she just. Girl, my husband could use a lesson from her. <laughs> oh, well, so could mine. I never notice. I, I don't ask Don. I ask Hannah <laughs> um, because I know she'll give me a very, you know, she'll, she'll give me the real deal. And so she, as a, as a little person, she inspires me to be a better mother for her and for Matthew. She inspires me to be a stronger woman for people that I'm serving. Um, she she really does help me to be a better daughter to my mom. Um, my mom still thinks I'm 14. And um, she hasn't, you know, and I think sometimes mothers do that. But, you know, Hannah has a unique perspective because she's looking in from both sides and she'll say, you know, mommy, granny is just granny and granny's going to will always protect. And that's so you can't take it all to heart. And so when I tell you she really does, the, the two of them, um, they really are the wind beneath my wings. They, they, they truly are. Well, she sounds remarkable. And, you know, I know her from when she was an itsy bitsy baby. It's nice right. to see um, you or hear you tell the story of her now as a 12 year old. I'm going to tell you she's super wise because if I ask my husband, do I look fat? He says, do I look stupid? And so there goes the conversation. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> let me ask I love you it. This. You know that I'm all about lifting women in business. What It doesn't have to be some grand thing, but what? What tip can you give us to maybe help support other women? Um, I think to support other women, um, number one, never judge. Never judge. We don't know. The, the, we've never walked a day in their shoes. So never judge. I think being open to not just listening, but hearing. And those are two very, very different things. Uh, but being very open to listening, hearing, not always imposing your thoughts. And sometimes we think people need to hear your thoughts. Really, they don't. <laughs> 
They they really need a, a, a sounding board. They they really just need someone to hear, and and someone to say at the end of the conversation, you're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Um, I think another way to support women, be cheerleaders. Uh, I think women for so long have been um, pushed aside and devalued, and sometimes we still behave that way. So when another woman is successful, cheer them on. If if they're in business, cheer that business on. If you can, if if you can support them in any way, you know, writing letter, whatever it is. Be what that other woman needs you to be, not what you think you need to be to her. And the reason I, the reason, Susan, I am determined um, to get this right, I get it wrong so often. The reason I'm so determined to get it right, I'm thinking about Hannah and all of the other Hannahs out there who are 12 and a half years old who are looking for uh, honesty, sincerity. There are other women who may have to sew into my child's life. And if I do a good job, I feel like in in planting good seeds everywhere I go into other women, those same, th- those same seeds will germinate and come back and, and they'll be a blessing to Hannah and to other young girls who need mentors and friends and friendships and sisterhoods that will propel them to be better women in the future. So I'm, 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 I think when we can be one another's keeper, when we can be one another's cheerleaders, when we can be one another's friends, I think that that's the difference. Instead of being envious, instead of being mean spirited, instead of casting disparaging remarks about somebody, what, what's the one thing we can find positive about that person? And if you can't find anything positive, just keep it closed. I mean, it benefits, it really benefits no one, um, you know, to, to, to be mean spirited towards a, another. We're, we're all in this fight together. And I think this yeah. pandemic, it, yeah. yeah, don't you think the Let, pandemic is, Let's talk about the pandemic in a second. I just want to say, honestly, folks, if you can't find something positive about everyone you meet, then you need to look inside. Yeah, I agree. Now, let's talk about this pandemic. Yes. The pandemic. Wow. Um, Never in my lifetime would I have thought um, we would see something like this. It, I think it has changed the fabric of many people. I also think, Susan, for the first time, we are seeing kindness and generosity in a way that we probably as a nation have never seen it before. Um, it worries me uh, when I see um, kind of the 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 lack of what happens next you know that leadership that gives the what happens next everybody wants to know you know what happens next and i think that we are looking to government and we are looking to people to give us that peace within i think no one can answer that question for us what happens next so in the midst of the worst thing that i've ever seen as an adult Um, that is where we are going to find the best parts of ourselves. I think that's when we come to understand that we really do have to 
be our brother's keeper. We really have to check on our neighbors. We really have to be concerned with the less fortunate. We really have to not drive down the street and pass somebody up because, you know, everybody has the same struggle. And I think this is the one thing that levels the playing field. Everybody's going through the same pandemic. So it doesn't matter if you're wealthy going through it or if you're poor going through it. There's a stay-at-home mandate for all of us. Um, I heard one minister say it, and, and I, I thought it was the neatest thing. When you see these pastors with mega churches like T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen, and, and everybody now has to conduct church service via Zoom or Facebook, um, T.D. Jakes said, now we all have little churches. No one has a mega church. We're all on the same playing field. And I thought that was pretty insightful. Um, we're all in the same space. How we navigate ourselves out of it, um, I think that's the difference between boys and men. You're either going to cover your head up and pretend like it's not here and, you know, woe is me, or we're going to find the good out of every single day, you know, and when I say the good, what blessing came out of the day? What did I learn today? Did I help someone today? And that's the good to me. We, Don and I are finding ourselves reaching out to some some elderly folk in our church, people that we don't necessarily have a close relationship with, but we know that their children are not in town. So we call, do you have grocery? Do you have toilet paper? I don't know what the big fascination is with toilet paper, but we ask every single time, do you have toilet paper? Do you have paper towels? We are extending ourselves in ways that we've never done before. And I think that's that's the humanity, the civilization, the, the, the civilized part of all of us coming forth. And so while it has exposed some sad things, you know, being uh, kind of isolated and not enjoying the, the gift of touch and friendship and, you know, being able to sit down and having uh, a meal with your best friend, while it's eliminated that part, it has forced families to have meals with one another. You know, have I have I had a real conversation with my kids? Have I had a real conversation with my husband? Well, you have to now because you are quarantined one with another. And so um, it's changed our world for a moment. Um, I am of the belief that it's probably changed our world forever. Um, the, the, the way we navigate life um, moving forward, I think, will will be different and how we think about things will be different. Will it be longstanding? Will we always have this, can I help someone? You would hope that. Uh, but out of this and from this pandemic, we are at least seeing some acts of kindness that we've never seen before that brings us, I think, uh, back to the fabric of being uh, a civilized nation, a, a, a fundamentally a good people, um, fundamentally a group that cares about one another. And so just great life lessons from all of this. You are such a, a painter, an artist with the word. You certainly um, tell a great story and create a good vision, even though we are audio only. I'm envisioning you, um, you know, and all the good that you're talking about. I can see you implementing. I can see you going to their house and asking, how can we help you? Do you need groceries? What can we do for you? That's, that's very much you and your husband. And I'm sure you've raised your children to be that way as well. Um, let me ask you this. I know it's not always a bed of roses. So let's talk a little bit about your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? 
my biggest challenge right now as a nonprofit executive director um, is just the stress of number one keeping 130 people safe. You know, um, 85. It's 129. 85 children, 44 adults, safe. That is. That's a that's a stressor. That's a challenge. Keeping them quarantined and feeling safe. Everybody just wants to get out on the outside and, and, and run and experience life. And they don't understand that I've got to keep you safe. And I know you're angry with me about, you know, making you stay in this one space, but it's for your good. That's a challenge. Uh, raising money. Um, at a time where people have lost their jobs and everybody's looking for, um, you know, how am I going to make sure that I can pay my bills or how am I going to make sure that I can feed my family? And, oh, I have this lady calling me asking me to help homeless people. You know, there's that that's a challenge. Um, it's a challenge in from the standpoint of my circle, my circle of other nonprofit executive directors, we can bounce ideas off of one another. Um, and I don't, I don't have that, that connectivity um, here of late because we are all just so laser focused on keeping those families safe. And I think, so I named three or four, but I'll, I'll tell you personally, one of the greatest challenges for me is um, self-preservation, making sure that I don't have to be the hero, that I need to make sure that I take care of myself, that I that I acknowledge what's happening, that I acknowledge that I get anxious about it sometimes, that even fearful sometimes, and being okay with standing in the mirror saying, hey, you don't have the answers this is this creates a, a sense of anxiety for you but you still have a job to do it's all challenging to balance it all every single day the you know the residents of the providence house but also 41 staff members keeping them encouraged keeping them you know focused on this is what we have to do so I am the cheerleader for the staff. I am the solace for the residents. I'm the backbone for my mom and dad, who, by the way, went to Lowe's to buy bedding plants in the middle of a pandemic, but we won't talk about that. I am the calm for my children. Um, I'm the sounding board for my husband. So the challenge of bearing all of those responsibilities while yet making sure that I'm okay, it's, it can be tremendous. And there are days when I feel very overwhelmed. And when I, when I know that's coming, I have to make sure that that's when I leave the office because we, even though we are doing social distancing, my office is a separate and apart from um, the, the actual shelter. I, I know, okay, Bernie, it's time for you to leave. It's time for you to get in your car, just take a drive, get ready to go home. It's time for you to uh, level set so that I can be good the next day for the people I serve. That is not easy. It is not easy. It is daunting. And sometimes you don't have the space to share that with somebody else because everybody's depending on you. It's a, it's, it's a huge challenge. Yeah, that is something that I think 
most of my podcast guests and many of my podcast listeners can relate to, especially in this time. But the key is you actively have to do something about that. You actively have to care for yourself. If you don't absolutely your own self first, you can't put the oxygen mask on others as we often use um, that analogy. Um, well, let me ask you this. I know that there are people out there who want to support your cause and feel for the, um, those who are suffering with, you know, not having their own home and not, you know, how, how can they send you money? That's what I'm asking you. How can they reach you? Um, and <laughs> yes. And, and I'm so glad you asked that because I know across the country, there are so many, there's such great need. Um, the way that you can support my need, you can go onto our website, which is www.theprovidencehouse.com. We have a donate button. You can always donate uh, online and you will get an immediate response, an immediate receipt. And we would love for you to support our effort. I want to go a step further in saying there are efforts in every individual community. And so if you are listening and you think, yeah, Providence House sounds great, but that's not where my heart is. There are so many great things that you can do in your own community. I just implore our, your listeners and, and, and those who, who can hear my voice to do something. Don't, don't allow this to be a selfish moment. Uh, do, do good always. Do something for the least of these. It not only makes you feel better, but it helps the, the entire community. Um, here at Providence House, we take care of single men, single women, married couples with children. And so at the end of the day, 70% of my population are children. These are the same children who've been out of school since March 16th. So we've had to fill in the educational gap because I don't care that you're homeless or, or poor everybody should have a fair chance at a high quality education. So we're filling in those educational gaps. We are checking temperatures twice a day. We hired a nurse for that, which is why we've not had one case of the virus in our house, because it's my responsibility to care for all of these people. So we're doing all of those things. So if you wanna help us to continue to do those things, please go to our website. You can see most recent stories about Providence House and things that we've done and an impact that we've made in our community. But if you choose other another nonprofit, do stuff in your community to help the least of these. Bernie, you need to run for office. Somebody asked me that. I told them I would get fired day one because I, you know, I just believe in telling the truth. And <laughs> in the political world, that's not what people necessarily want to hear. They would be get rid of her. Uh, but the the truth is really, it's really what sets us free. I mean, it, it really is. It's liberating. I can't tell you how much I loved catching up with you. You are so... Same you know, here. I feel like I need to go put my cape on now and my tiara and go, I'm a superhero. <laughs> go save the world. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So um, it was so great catching up with you. And look, folks, if you didn't get to write all that down, I will include Bernie's bio and the link to the Providence House and all the other good information that we talked about will be available in the blog that I write. It'll be up on my website within 48 hours. So you'll get to enjoy it, even if you 
didn't get to write things down or if you want to rehear this great conversation, uh, you can push play there. So, Vernie, tell Don hello. Give big hugs to your kids. And I, I love, 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 love you. Love you back. Thanks so much for all you do for women. Uh, I am so proud of you, so proud to be your friend, and so proud to support you and all your efforts. So take care. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening, everyone. Till next time.